0: What do you get when you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get someone who understands there's an art to listening. Uh Who's able to hear more than what's being said and can provide tailored Mm -hmm. small business solutions that make you feel truly heard. I understand. Let's get started. For advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Plot of earth, the street, the grocer and the butcher, and the people that I meet, the children in the playground, the faces that I see, all races, all religions, that's America to me. Welcome to The Refuge for the Politically Homeless, I'm Adam Graham. Today we're going to go ahead and talk about the death of George Floyd and the controversies that have surrounded it. I think one thing that a lot of the media coverage is missing or uh, is kind of just assuming people are aware of is just the context uh, for uh, what happened to Mr. Floyd uh, in light of events of the recent uh, months. Because there have been quite a few uh, very high-profile uh, cases that have really raised the tensions uh, leading up to the murder of George Floyd. And we live in this constant 24-7 news cycle, where it's really hard to piece these things together because they come at you so hard and so fast. Uh, And and I think there are certain political actors, I'm not going to get too much into that, but there are a lot of people in the political world that benefit from just all of the constant outrage, one after another after another, So, you can't really understand uh, what's going on. Uh, Before uh, the murder of George Floyd, the first big uh, story of uh, a black death was that of Breonna Taylor. Uh, Miss Taylor was a trained EMT, 27 years old. And she was killed in her own home by police officers. The story the police told is that they were there uh, because uh, someone had been using her address as part of a, a drug dealing scheme. And they say that they knocked and identified themselves as police before they entered. However, uh, Ms. Taylor's boyfriend says that didn't happen. Uh, these people were in unmarked cars, in plain colors. Uh, so you have all of these, uh, unarmed, uh, armed, p- uh, people streaming into the house. And so, uh, Ms. Taylor's boyfriend opened fire to protect her. And she was, uh, killed in the ensuing crossfire. Initially, uh, the police, uh, tried to have the boyfriend charged. Uh, but the charges have since been dropped. There is no body cam to show whether or not the police actually announced themselves. Uh, and then after that we have a case that didn't involve the police, uh, Ahmed Arbery. He was out for a jog, uh, in, uh, uh Georgia. He turned in, spent a few minutes, you know, looking around a construction site, didn't take anything or do anything. However, uh, a few uh, white men who lived in the neighborhood uh, thought that he may have been behind some recent burglaries. So they took it upon themselves, even though they had witnessed no crime, had no legal right to do this under the law of the state of Georgia, and they chased him down. He ran. They cornered him, and he came after one of the men who was holding the weapon on him, and was shot down and killed. Then we have the case of Christian Cooper. Uh, Mr. Cooper is an avid uh, bird watcher and uh, Black American um, middle-aged uh, gentleman, and he was, you know, watching birds in a section, uh, the bramble in Central Park where if you're going to have a dog in there, the dog needs to be on leash. And Mr. Cooper asked the dog's owner, uh, named Amy Cooper, no relation, to put the dog on leash. And she refused. He then threatened to do something that she wasn't going to like. And what he meant by that is that he brought along dog treats for these occasions. And if owners... Uh, would not, you know, leash their dogs, then he would give them treats, which uh, the owners really tend not to like. You know, you want to have some control over your dog's diet. Uh, from what he said i can kind of understand uh, that that may not have been the best choice of words however she decided to escalate things by uh, making a very hysterical call to 911 about how there was this african american man who was threatening her and you know screaming to please send help as if he as if he was going for a gun you would have thought And, you know, to make that sort of call, given the, you know, it's kind of an implied threat to him, like, back off, buddy, Uh, or you could come out of this dead if the wrong person ends up responding to the situation. She did eventually, instead of continuing this hysterical uh, call, did leash the dog, and that was it. That was all he wanted. And these stories all hit the news within the previous two to three months. And so when you have this situation happen uh, in Minnesota, where uh, George Floyd was arrested for passing a counterfeit $20 bill. And this police officer stood on his neck for nine minutes Even while he said he couldn't breathe, other officers gathered around him, effectively supporting him as he did this. You can appreciate an explosion of sadness, anger, and fear uh, has been felt by so many in the black community, and even outside of it. It was uh, a horrific event, and we've been... You know, I think one thing we have to admit is that the wide availability of video technology is making uh, the majority of this country face a lot of the uh, things that uh, are going on which in uh, years past uh, we would not have even seen. It would have been a... A matter of whether you believed a suspect or the police. Uh, you know, back in 1992, uh, the beating of Rodney King uh, by the police was captured on videotape, and to the majority of the people who saw the number of times that Mr. King was struck. It came off as very excessive force. But you did not tend to have a lot of these uh, videos coming out just because video equipment was uh, expensive. You know, uh, back in the, back in the 90s, uh, I remember a camcorder would be uh, advertised for a thousand dollars. Today you can pick up a $200 phone and it's got a camera right in it. So more things which uh, we would not have any evidence for are beginning to come to light. And uh, we've got to come to grips with it and figure out how as a nation we're going to address it. I think there are a couple of things which are fairly obvious uh, about what happened. First, you know, obviously what happened to... Mr. Floyd, what happened to Mr. Arbery, what happened to Mr. Cooper and Miss Taylor were wrong, uh, just flat out wrong, and there needs to be accountability for what happened. The second thing that must be said is that the rioting and the looting uh, that's gone on during so many of these uh, demonstrations is also wrong and counterproductive. However, it has to be said that uh, we know very little about these people who have uh, done the looting. And there's at least uh, some anecdotal evidence, as well as some backed up by video, uh, where you'll have a lot of the, you know, white Antifa protesters, uh, also rumors of white supremacist uh, protesters uh or I shouldn't say protesters, more like infiltrators, uh, as well as some uh, reports of organized crime just kind of moving in to take advantage of this. So, uh, while it's always appropriate to condemn violence and looting and such, uh, and I think that, uh, there are, you know, groups and people, particularly on the left, who have, uh, really, uh, struggled with saying that looting is wrong and not acceptable. And I, I want to give cre- credit to President Obama because he's come out and he has uh, squarely condemned that um, uh, vice, former Vice President Biden while his initial uh, statement didn't uh, address it. He has uh, since uh, condemned that. And hopefully we can all uh, get on board with that. Um, I, I think that... Uh, This is a time when it is appropriate for us to mourn, for us to understand and try to wrap our our mind a bit around what uh, so many black Americans are going through or have been going through. And the sort of fear and discomfort they Deal with while doing things that you know most of us uh, can do freely without particular worry. And when you hear the precautions that many take, you know, just to be able to live their lives safely and without uh, getting harassed, it's it's really uh, it's really horrendous. So I think there has to be you know a great deal of Empathy for, you know, what has happened and the challenges that so many are living with. And certainly there are a lot of people who don't, uh, make this easier, who think that, you know, it, there's always a, um, there's always a defense or some reason. Uh, According to some folks, particularly on social media, that argue no matter what, that uh, the black person was somehow in the wrong. Uh, People will say that, you know, Riona Taylor, that there should not have been any resistance to the police, uh, even though uh, she didn't hear them announced as police. Uh, and that I've seen some people say that, uh, you know, what happened to Mr. Arbury justified because he ran from these men who were not police and had no authority to hold them. And others have said Mr. Cooper was being a Karen by trying to enforce these rules, you know, as to uh, the dog leashing in the brambles. And I've not heard any defense, you know, of Mr. Floyd. I've heard some people say, though, that they really want to find out what happened before this, you know, to have the context. You know, there's not a context that would make this okay. And I think that you do have some people who think that if you're a black person in this country, that if uh, a bunch of armed men invade your home, you have to assume that they are police and have every right to be there that if a bunch of armed white men uh, chase you, you need to let them catch you because uh, they obviously have a good reason to want to ask you questions. And if you are a uh, bird watcher who happens to be black, if you want to avoid getting into a dangerous confrontation with police, then you had better uh, not say anything to someone who is uh, risking destroying the habitat of the bird you're trying to watch. It's an absolutely disgraceful situation. It's difficult to see how uh, to resolve and what the solutions are. And I have to admit that one thing I think we have to be very cautious about right now is people who are going to pop up, And tell you that they are going to bring the solution to everything. Because there's no one out there, you know, who has sat down in light of recent events. Gotten together with people of differing viewpoints and try to figure out how you bring them together to uh, resolve these issues. What you do have out there is you have people who have a list of things, an agenda of their own that they want to see passed. They wanted it passed uh, before this came up, and they see this as an opportunity, a political opportunity for them to push uh, the uh, cultural, political agenda that they uh, have had from the beginning. It's like, here's this crisis, so the only way out of it is to pass everything that I believe in already. And that's just not going to work. I saw an example of this. Uh, there was a list of 75 things that you know could be done to address these sort of issues. And it started out with some things, I think, that really have some merit. Uh, for example, mandatory body cams for police officers. I think that makes a lot of sense. We have uh, most of our policemen are uh, and policewomen are outstanding at the work they do and really dedicated to the public and to serving. But there are far too many who are not. And we need to see, I think, both sets. We need to see those who are outstanding. Because I think a lot of the outstanding cops, you know, they just, you know, they're not going to brag on themselves. So uh, we need to see that part, but we really need to see those who are not. And those who will abuse their authority. So yeah, body cams, that makes a lot of sense ending qualified immunity uh, which you know protects a lot of these police department and officers from having uh courts hold them to account that makes a lot of sense but then they went off on all of these sort of uh tangents uh these the sort of progressive wish list of uh Activities and actions like decolonizing your bookshelf. I mean, I think part of the problem that we get into is so many of these conversations end up becoming monologues from people who they've got their agenda and they are uh, incredibly uh, progressive and dogmatically so in ways that are just totally out of touch with the communities that they're claiming to represent. I think of the controversy over the name of the Washington Redskins. That was a huge controversy for years and years. You had attempts to remove their trademarks. You had U.S. Senators throwing their weight against the team's name. And then we had a survey come out in the middle of all of this controversy showing that 90% of Native Americans didn't find the team's name offensive. And then you have this uh, progressive uh, term for uh, Latinos called Latinx. L-A-T-I-N-X. And you will see that as like the progressive phrase for that community. However, they did a survey and they found that only 1% of that community identified with that phrase. That most identified with Latino or Hispanic. And the problem here is that you have these sort of dogmatic, dogmatically inflexible people who are driving the debate. And alienating the people who want to have a a conversation because they want to have a monologue. And that's not going to be effective long term. We do have to deal with this. We have to find solutions. And that's not going to happen if French people hijack this uh, discussion with their own preconceived set of ideas. So I think uh, this is something that you need to bring people together to talk about and to find solutions. And I think one thing that does need to happen is there needs to be a bit of humility about uh, the problems we face as well as the limits of government as an effective solution to that problem, I think in many ways we are are close to an exhaustion point as terms of what government can do. Uh, when government first really became involved in this in the sixties, it was essentially uh, stopping uh, discrimination uh, and ensuring that appropriate opportunities were provided to black Americans and to other minorities. And, you know, you've got the power of the state, which really did help with uh, enforcing a lot of these anti-discrimination in housing and employment and in all these other areas. And uh, you also can prosecute some of these uh, crimes where whole groups are targeted uh, on this explicitly hateful uh, doctrines. And then you had the forced busing programs where uh, kids in minority uh, neighborhoods were bused to nicer schools that only white students had previously been able to go to. That program had a bit more of a mixed record and a lot of problems with it. But it was one of those things that whether it was the best thing to do or not, it was something that government could do. When you look at these latest incidents, it really does pose a challenge to government because it's fundamentally a challenge in the human heart. It's not something where you can just pass a law and it goes away. I mean, when you look at these cases, there's no indication that any of these people uh, who... Uh, were involved were you know your typical you know racist as we would have defined it you won't find them believing in uh you know you won't find their white supremacist manifesto or any you know sort of obvious you know, stereotypical signs that we would associate with being a racist. There's no record of, you know, racist conversations. There's no Mark Furman in any of these cases. And as much as, uh, people, uh, and i criticize criticized the president quite a bit, as much as people might blame, you know, the president for this, Amy Cooper, uh, who, uh, uh, did the whole hysterical phone call thing on Christian Cooper, uh, was someone who had uh, contributed to Democrats, and by all stand, all available information appeared to be a liberal in good standing. So how do you address this very deep problem in the human soul? If your answer is decolonize your bookshelf, I don't think you're taking the question seriously. And so I think it's incumbent to be careful about people who will try to just use this to impose their own vision on the world and in terms of that, alienate people from actually talking about this and trying to come to grips with it. There's one other aspect of this case I do want to comment about just because it's been popping up a lot in my feed and that's the fact that just because this horrific uh, event has occurred doesn't mean that covid-19 has gone away and some uh, uh websites have pointed out you know and this a lot of people on twitter and facebook that the media uh was really uh harsh on the lack of social distancing And recklessness shown by anti-lockdown protesters and has been totally silent on similar social distancing issues with the uh, protesters for Mr. Floyd's uh, murder now, uh, there are a couple of different approaches being taken. The first is that this proves that COVID-19 is not really a big deal. The media was making up that there was a problem with people not social distancing during the protest uh, of the lockdown, and that's, that's just nonsense. And I will say that as a general rule, That governments were not generally just arresting protesters, you know, who were doing a demonstration in a park um, against the stay-at-home orders. You know, they might arrest somebody who opened a business or, you know... Uh, you know, they, those were really rare. You know, you heard about them in the media because they didn't happen a whole lot. So I don't think that the governments are being horribly uh, inconsistent because they do understand that there, are you know, if, if people are going to protest, that there is a First Amendment right to that. The media, on the other hand, is being inconsistent in its coverage. And I have to say is being a bit you're responsible. I can understand why the media doesn't want to talk about this, but if it was a public safety concern uh, during the anti-lockdown protests, it certainly is during these protests as well. It's not as if the disease says, I don't want to spread. These people are marching for a good cause. Uh, I mean, I think, I think I'll just I'll just stay here, you know, be isolated. That's not how diseases work. And so I think that even though it's difficult to hear, it's still, it's still a message that the media should be consistent on. Cause I know for a lot of people, they will assume, you know, that the whole COVID-19 thing is over. Cause the people, you know, there's a group of people who think that like our uh, whole uh, news, uh, system is just uh entertainment and it's like well that was last episode that we were dealing with COVID-19 now we're to the whole uh uh riot and you know unrest and uh police brutality plot lines so COVID-19's over and, and let's be honest that uh You know, a lot of what's happening as to the overall effect, it's, it's going to be arguable because there's, you know, there are factors that could create some concerns for the spread of the disease, such as being close together in crowds and chanting and shouting, which if you, uh, if you are, uh, doing that and you've got the virus could lead to spread. On the other hand, these are happening out of doors. And while social distancing isn't being consistently practiced, uh, people are wearing masks to a far larger degree than in the previous uh, demonstrations, where in particular male protesters, it would just threaten their entire uh, sense of their own self and identity to put on a mask to avoid spreading a plague. So we'll see how this uh, works out. I really hope that the protesters will show an appropriate amount of caution. They definitely have reasons to be concerned and furious about what ha- has transpired. But it would be tragic if by not, you know, taking the appropriate social distancing requirements seriously, that leads to even more deaths. That said, uh, as a, 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 most of the criticism I've seen on social media has been more aimed at the media for not making a bigger deal about it. And I think it's one of those really frustrating things uh, with uh, conservative punditry, particularly during the Trump administration, where so many people on the right uh, will just fall back to a default of, media criticism, and if that's going to be in the midst of everything else that's going on, the riots, the injustice, if your focus is going to be on media criticism, uh, I think that you really need to reevaluate your priorities. All right, well, this went on way longer than um, I typically will do for this podcast, particularly uh, sort of monologuing but I had quite a bit to say uh, I'd love to hear what you think. You can email me at adam at politicalrefuge.info For now, this is Adam Graham signing off. The house I live in My neighbor's white and black The people who just came here are from generations back the town hall and the soapbox, the torch of liberty. A home for all God's children, that's America to me. Enjoy. Thanks. The order breakfast at the McDonald's drive-thru. Tell yourself you'll wait to eat it at work, but it smells way too good. So you eat it right there in the McDonald's parking lot meal. There's a meal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, get any size iced coffee for 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with your favorite breakfast sandwich or one of our tasty bakery treats. Price and participation may vary. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. McDonald's. I'm loving it.